We're opening the Word of God today to Acts chapter 2, verses 41, 42, and 44. So then those who had received Peter's word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. Acts chapter 2 is a chapter of first. It's a chapter of first. Here we see on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit being poured out upon God's people for the very first time. And this was in fulfillment of Christ's instructions for the disciples to remain in Jerusalem until being empowered from on high. Also in Acts chapter 2, the church is birthed. It's the first time to see this new community of God's people. The second chapter of Acts also records Peter's first sermon, his first sermon. And I want to focus on that for just a few moments. As you know, Peter had been an unstable leader during Jesus's ministry. He was letting his impulsive, headstrong character rule the day. In fact, that was the reason for his downfall. He even denied in John chapter 18, he even denied three times that he knew Christ. But in John chapter 21, Christ forgave and restored Peter. And then later on, on the day of Pentecost, filled him with the Holy Spirit. This was a new Peter that we see in Acts chapter 2. This was a Peter who was humble, a Peter who was bold. Whereas Peter was practically first in everything, first on the water, first with his mouth, first with the sword. Peter's first sermon reveals a man no longer vacillating. He has become lion-like. He has become confident. Pentecost, church, it was Pentecost that made the difference. Peter's first sermon was probably his best. In fact, a number of Bible scholars put forth that aside from Christ's sermons, Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost is perhaps the greatest ever preached. It's greatest because of the place that it occupies in the history of man's redemption. Peter's sermon being the inaugural sermon of the age of grace. Peter's sermon greatest because immediately after it was preached, 3,000 listeners fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And immediately, all at once, they responded. And they were born again and made new in Christ. And the church took off. Now, because of the impact that the early church made, we can be tempted to think of this church as perfect, of this church as pristine and untouched by sin and compromise. Oh, no. Oh, no. The church in the book of Acts is by no means perfect, but it did have an incredible beginning. It had an amazing beginning as these believers simply pursued the right things, the right things. And it's through reexamining that pursuit right at the beginning of this amazing church, the early church, we are learning. We're learning some great truths. We're learning some qualities. And today is part three, qualities 
of a renewed church. Qualities of a renewed church. I want you to notice carefully two words right at the beginning of verse 42, revealing the very first actions of these new believers. They were continually, it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. Notice these words, continually devoting. They were continually devoting themselves. These words, continually devoting, are of extreme importance because they form the foundation upon which the qualities of the early church were held. Continual devotion, it denotes continued commitment, being single-minded, being single-minded and steadfast to a certain course of action, exerting great effort to persist in doing something, persistence and focused. Devotion expresses what is most important, a declaration, if you will, of your priorities, of what you are passionate about. The early church was a devoted church. This new community of God's people were continually devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. And from that, we see our first quality. Number one, a church ready and committed to learn, following the teachings of the apostles. This is quality number one, a church ready and committed to learn. Then it says fellowship. They were continually devoted to fellowship, having hearts mutually linked to one another. They shared with one another whatever they had. This is the quality of a, of a renewed church. The second one, a caring church, bonded in fellowship as family. A caring church, bonded in fellowship as family. Now today, verse 42, once again, they continually devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to communion, and to prayer. They continually devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, to communion, and to prayer. Now one word best describes a life that's committed to communion. One word best describes a life that is committed to prayer. In fact, it says in verse 46, they were devoted to these things every day, every day. That kind of devotion stems from worship. These are lives committed in worship, in worship. Now, I want you to get this, to continually celebrate the blood shed and the body that is broken for us, with it never getting old, and to commune with God through prayer, you must be a worshiper. You must be a worshiper. Otherwise, these practices are rituals. They're traditions. They're not life-giving moments that bring renewal. From the outset, the early church was continually devoted to worship. Acts Chapter 24, verse 6, part A in the Message Bible picks this up. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple. So the third quality of a renewed church is a worshiping church. A worshiping church devoted to exalting Jesus. 
a worshiping church devoted to exalting Jesus. Nothing is more central to the Christian life than worship. Than worship. It gives rhythm. It gives structure to the believer as well as it fulfills our purpose for we were made to worship. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, therefore brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Subsequently, worship is central to the life of the church. It's the heartbeat of congregational life. It's the heartbeat of congregational life. One pastor quoted this, Worship is the first act of a new church and the last act of a dying church. For when the worship stops, the congregation is dead. It's so central to our congregational life. It's really the heartbeat. When renewal comes to a church, its members gather not around personalities. When renewal comes to a church, its members gather not around man-centered experiences or events. When, When renewal comes to a church, its members gather not around hearing the latest and the greatest speaker or revelation. No, a renewed church gathers to magnify and to glorify Christ alone, bowing at his feet in adoration and honor of him. Now in the scripture, there are two kinds of people that God seeks. First, he seeks those who are lost, according to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. God seeks those not on the pathway of salvation. God is seeking for those who have no relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But the second kind of person that the Father is seeking is a worshiper. A worshiper, John chapter 4 and verse 23, the time is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And that time is here already. You see, the Father is actively seeking such people to worship Him. Please notice, He doesn't say He seeks the most talented or He seeks the best looking, the most popular, or the wealthiest. No, God wants our worship to be not just something we do, but who we are, but who we are. So to encounter renewal in worship, In exalting Christ alone, number one, we must worship with awe. Worship with awe. Acts 2.43, the first part of that verse says, everyone kept feeling the sense of awe. Listen to this. This early church, in its very beginning, this new community of God's people, it says everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Awe is defined as an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, or fear. Now, our problem here is that so often we don't see God as the Almighty God. Our minds have a hard time wrapping itself around our Almighty God, imagining. Our minds have a hard time imagining how big God is. So what do we do? We make Him small to help us understand. We make him small to help us grasp. Now, I want you for just a moment, try to imagine. Just try to imagine this. A light year 
is 5.88 trillion miles long. A light year, 5.88 trillion miles long. That's 9.46 trillion kilometers. One light year, that's how long it is. 9.46 trillion kilometers. And on earth, the furthest thing that scientists have measured so far, the further distance from us so far, is 14 billion light years away. One light year is 5.88 trillion miles, 9.46 trillion kilometers. And on earth, the furthest thing that we have measured out from us is 14 billion light years away. Now somewhere in the midst of all of that is a spiral galaxy called the Milky Way, which is made up of hundreds of billions of stars. Hundreds of billions of stars. And one of those stars is our sun. And one of the planets circling our sun is Earth. And two of the more than seven billion people on this planet Earth are you and me. Yet this universe that so easily blows our minds is nothing more than a speck to our God. Nothing more than a speck to our God. I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you. Worship with awe. Secondly, worship with abandonment. To come to this renewed place of worship where we're exalting Christ alone. Worship with abandonment. Acts 2.45, part B says, and they would sell their property and possessions and they would share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Worship is losing ourselves in the presence of God where nothing of this world holds greater value than Jesus. It's leaning into him with everything that we've got. Nothing holding us back. Total abandonment to him. Finally, to be renewed as a worshiper, exalting Christ alone. Number three, worship with our life. Worship with our life. Acts 2.46, part B says, they shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. Come on, they're doing life together. Verse 47 says they were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. Worship with our life. When you know who God is and you embrace what he's done, your only reasonable response is to worship. True worship is a whole life response to God's greatness and to his glory. It's giving ourselves fully and completely unto him. It's not found in your words, but in your way of life. Worship is not found in the songs necessarily that we sing, but it's found in the way we live. I want to give you one final thought. We worship what we find most valuable. 
we worship what we find most valuable. As we come back together here at NLC, may we unite as God's family, believing to be renewed in true worship of the one who gave his life for ours to whom none can compare. We exalt him. We magnify him with our our full and complete life, with all that we are. We are together to magnify and to glorify Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's take a moment right now in his presence. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, come on, ask right now. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? To what or to whom am I continually devoting myself? Father, may my life be a life of worship, not something that I simply do, but who I am. Look no further than me, O God, for you're seeking those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Take all of me. Take all of me. Take all of us, O God. For as we, your people here at Nairobi Lighthouse Church, rally together as one, being renewed in our passion for your presence, exalting you, Lord Jesus, as our Lord, as our King, as our Master. Be magnified in our midst. Be lifted high in our midst, we pray. We love you. We magnify you. Thank you for all you are. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you're continuing to do in this season, in this hour. And we give you glory. We worship and magnify you. In Jesus' name. Now in these closing moments, if you've not come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, yet you long to have a new life. You long for God to put things right in your life. I want to tell you that God is seeking for you today. God is seeking for you today. Why don't you make the decision to become a worshiper of God and be connected to God's family by being made new in Christ? If you're ready to receive him into your heart, or if you desire to know more about Nairobi Lighthouse Church, why don't you call or text the number that's at the bottom of your screen? We would love to just pray with you. We'd love to help guide you and minister to you. It'd be our honor. It'd be our joy. God bless you today.